Merry Christmas, Eve, 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 and Eve before that. Uh, it's so good to be with you guys. My name is Pastor Darren. So glad to be with you guys this evening. And let's welcome everybody that's joining us on the internet tonight, right? Very, very cool. And I absolutely love, 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 love Christmas. One of my favorite things, uh, favorite times of the year. I'm actually already beginning the process of mourning Christmas being gone already. It's not even here yet. That's how much I love Christmas. But have you ever gotten a bad reputation for something where you guys couldn't get rid of it? I can remember a Christmas. It was a very painful Christmas for me. And it's funny, my grandma, my grandma Aretha, my mom's mom, still mentions this Christmas as like a painful moment in her grandmothering, right? And she thought it'd be funny to get all the grandkids a shirt that like was their personality. So everybody opens their shirt. And I don't remember what all my cousins got. My brother got one of this like dorky kid with the finger up his nose and it said, I love homework, right? And I thought that was hilarious because I thought my brother was a nerd at that point, okay? But then I got my shirt and I was like, oh, it's probably gonna say something like, man, he's awesome or just something super positive, okay? Well, I opened my shirt for, the, for, for like Christmas and it said, here comes trouble. <laughs> and I was like, Time out. Time out. I don't understand why that's the joke that all of a sudden I'm in trouble and my grandma thinks I'm trouble. And I don't remember if I cried. I probably did. Let's not think about it right now. I don't want to tear up in front of you guys. But I remember it being a moment where it didn't go over well. Like I realized like somehow I'd gotten like this bad reputation in my family and it didn't go over very well. And I just, I was just with my grandma a couple of months ago, oh, a couple weeks ago, and she brought this back up, right? I'm getting ready to be 42 years old next Sunday. So if you want to get me a Christmas present, just a birthday present, just come to church. We'll blow out some candles and talk about Jesus. But uh, it is, is I had this reputation, I guess, as a little kid, and it's tough to get rid of a bad reputation once you get it. And I want to look at the Christmas story because there's a, 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 a character in the Christmas story that I feel like he gets a bad rap. In fact, he's had a bad rap for a long time, and I don't know if it's deserved or not. And so let's jump in to the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. That's when we usually read about the birth of Jesus. And let's take a look at the life the, the, the story arc of the villain that probably shouldn't be a villain, the innkeeper. All right, let's jump in. Check it out. Luke chapter 2, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. In Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Now, interesting thing about the innkeeper is that the Bible doesn't actually even say there was an innkeeper, right? But how many Christmas movies or animated features or plays have you gone to where Mary and Joseph and Mary and Joseph and Mary's all so pregnant and Joseph just tired from the donkey journey, right? And they come to the door and the innkeeper's there like mean, like, there's no room in my inn, right? And everybody's like, oh, that guy's a jerk. Why do you let Mary... But we don't even know if he's a real person. It doesn't say the innkeeper named Bill wouldn't give Mary a room, correct? 
He doesn't have a name. We don't even know this could have been like a, a small bed and breakfast kind of situation. We're not sure. It could have been just a guest room of someone there in Bethlehem. It could have been almost even like a lean-to shelter for animals and for, and for humans as well. We're not sure. All we know is that there was no room in the inn. Now, probably there was somebody in charge of this and was the innkeeper. But this guy has gotten a bad reputation for 2,000 plus years. And I think the tough thing about it is he at least made a little bit of room in his property for Mary and Joseph. Like he didn't full on reject them, correct? And if you really think about the story, he's one of the few figures in the big Christmas story that doesn't get like some big transcendental angelic announcement of what you're supposed to do, right? Like Joseph gets an angel visitation. Mary gets an angel visitation. The shepherds get all the angels giving them what they're supposed to do. Mr. Innkeeper gets a pregnant teenage couple showing up at his doorstep asking for an empty room. No one tells him, this is Jesus, right? So I think we need to take it easy on the innkeeper. But here, here was what I couldn't get out of my mind as we're prepping for Christmas Eve this year, is that we need to take it easy on this guy, but it was actually more of this kind of compassionate feeling I had for him because he missed it. Regardless if he could have known or should have known or if angels should have told him, or it, it's just that he missed it. We don't know his name. We only know his profession, sort of. But the night on his property, he made some room for the Son of God to be born, and he missed it. And, and here's what I would hate tonight. Is that it's another year, it's another Christmas Eve service, and you've made some room in your schedule to be here. We appreciate it. This is your first time with Mercy Road. We're so glad that you've joined us tonight. But it could have been that you've made some room in your schedule because your mom asked you to go to Christmas Eve this week. Or it could be that maybe this is what you do. Like you're not sure about the whole Jesus thing, but you'll do Christmas and Easter. And so it's another year for you to make a little room in your schedule. You come here tonight. We're going to hold the candles later. It's a beautiful moment, right? Did you see the hot cocoa with the, with the marshmallows in the lobby? Just so you know, you don't even have to even do the hot cocoa. I just grabbed one of those suckers and ate the marshmallows right off. It was great. We're just going to call that, I don't know what we're going to call it, great marshmallows dipped in sugar, all right? Or marshmallows are sugar. It's actually sugar dipped in chocolate, which is great. You can take a picture with your family again out there. We had a little fireplace thing. It's so beautiful. And you can say like, I did Christmas Eve again. And there might even be a moment tonight, it may have already happened, maybe it'll happen later, where, where something within your spirit, within your heart, within your soul begins to kind of stir. And maybe even your eyes kind of rim with tears. And you've noticed that this happens regularly when you get around Jesus type of stuff. But my fear for you is that it'll be another year that you miss it. 
that you come in, you light the candle, you get the cocoa, you take the picture, you get stirred emotionally, and then you leave, and you make room tonight for Jesus in your Wednesday night schedule, but another year goes, and you don't make room for him in your heart. And the question is, what might you be missing in your life? Because you don't make room. Jesus says, we journey through this story, I pray that you would allow the word of God to come alive in our hearts, that it would enlighten, it would awaken, it would convict, and would bring about salvation, restoration, strength, and love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We do need to take it easy on this guy. I get it. Because we don't really know all that about it. But here's what we do know about Bethlehem that night. We know the town was full, don't we? Right? There was a census being taken and all these people there. We know the town was full because there was no room in the inn. So we know a couple things for sure. We know the town is full and we know that the inn is full. So we don't know exactly the innkeeper guy, but we know there was a lot of people in the mix that night, don't we? You know what else we know? We know a teenage girl had a baby. You ever been around a woman having a baby? I wouldn't quite call it a silent night. How about you? (laughs) Mary didn't have an epidural, I guess. I don't need, you guys need to know, modern medicine hadn't quite figured that out. You got Mary having a baby in probably an open air stable. Then the baby's born. You know how loud babies cry, folks? Let me tell you, I looked it up this week. A baby can cry up to 120 decibels. You guys say, praise God, amen. You're living that right now, right? What's her name? Clover. What is it? Clover. Clover? How loud can she cry? Pretty loud. Yeah, pretty loud, right? Clover here can probably get close to 120 decibels. You know what that's equivalent to? A fire engine. Indoor rock concert. So we have a town full of people and an inn full of people and Jesus and Mary are out in this open stable making 120 decibels worth of noise. And nobody, nobody heard him. Nobody showed up to help. Where's the part of the story that the people who couldn't sleep because the fire engine baby screaming out back by the animals kept them awake and they got curious enough to go see if they might need help? That part of the story doesn't happen. But they were busy. They, were, they had stuff they had to do. They were going to take a census. They didn't want to get in people's business. Or maybe they just didn't care. Can you imagine if there were like first century like a Yelp reviews for this inn? Can you imagine what they would have been like the next like, you know, week after this? Stayed at the first Holiday Inn uh, over in Bethlehem. <sighs> Couldn't sleep. Two stars. Sounded like someone was having a baby outside, right? <laughs> Never staying here again. Talk to the cleaning crew. They need to change whatever they're using. Overwhelming smell of frankincense and myrrh in our room, right? (laughs) One guy leaves a review. He's like, it was so bright in my room. I couldn't sleep. I'm leaving. I'm giving this hotel like one 
one big star review. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can just see the Yelp reviews here and just roasting the innkeeper that this is the kind of situation, but nobody got involved. And maybe it's that they couldn't hear, not true. Maybe it's just they were trying to just ignore the noise that Jesus was making. So the question is pretty easy tonight is, is has Jesus been making any noise in your life this year? You see, the interesting thing about Jesus is I believe to the core of my being that, that Jesus is alive today and that he wants to speak to you every day in everyday type of ways if you're listening. See, Jesus, he's not a mute, and he's not a baby anymore, right? Jesus grew up, right? He became a man. He had a beard, right? Like, Jesus grew up, and he taught, and he was the most amazing teacher, rabbi. He healed people. He walked on water. He gave his life on a cross to remove everything that separated us from his father. He was dead for three days, and he came back from the dead, and he's alive today. And he went back to heaven so he could send his Holy Spirit that would actually have the ability to indwell your life so that he could communicate and guide and teach and comfort and love you. And he wants to speak to you every day in everyday type of ways if you're listening. C.S. Lewis said it this way, which I, which I think is, is really, really interesting. He said this, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It's the megaphone to rouse a deaf world. This year, maybe it's been an amazing year and, and, and Jesus has been whispering to you in your pleasures the things that have gone well, the things that you love. He's just there whispering, I love you. I'm for you, not against you. I bring great gifts into your life. He might be in your life speaking to you through your conscience. It's that still small voice that you hear in your mind guiding you away from the things that you know are, are ruining your potential. Or you may be looking back in 2019 at a lot of pain. And I want you to know it's not God shouting at you, I'm mad at you. He may be shouting, I'm right here with you. Are you listening? Because he's speaking. But you say, okay, let's take it easy on the innkeeper because he didn't have the huge angelic choir telling him what to do like the shepherds did. But the shepherds had to listen, but they also, also had to do that next step, right? They had to become curious. So here's a second question for you tonight. Are you curious about the noise, about the direction of Jesus in your life? Are you curious? Let's see what happened for the, the shepherds. Continue on in the second chapter of Luke. The overarching heading for this is an event for everyone. And it says this, there were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. 
they had set night watches over their sheep and suddenly God's angel stood among them and God's glory blazed around them and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town, a savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for, a baby in a blanket lying in a manger. Now, I think that phrase right there had to spark a lot of curiosity for the shepherds. Here's a message that's for everybody. Amazing stuff is happening here, right? There's a savior being born and it says this, right? You're going to find a baby wrapped in a blanket lying in a manger. That didn't make a lot of sense. And I think it had to to prick curiosity in the hearts of the shepherds. And there may be some things happening in your life that don't quite make sense. And sometimes when we have confusion in our life, we begin to interpret it as somehow God is against us, messing with our life. And I think more often to not, more often than not, it's God actually inviting us to get more curious about what he's saying and how he's leading. It goes on. And the angels say, or this is what the shepherds do. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights and peace to all men and, and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven and the shepherds talked it over, they said, let's go. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can to see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. And they told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear. Deep within herself, the sheep herders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they'd been told. Hmm. Here's the promise. Is that everyone who listens, everyone who gets curious, and everyone that seeks, and everyone that knocks, they will find. It's not like a guessing game or, or maybe it will work out. Is if you will listen to the Spirit of God calling and guiding and directing your life, and you will get curious and you will begin to seek, you will find. Because God is not playing some cosmic game of hide and seek with this. He wants to make it really simple for you to find Him so that you can know His love, His comfort, His direction. Interesting thing is, though, he will show up in unexpected ways, but in everyday places. And here's the deal. It may be just be driving your truck, maybe listening to the radio. I don't know if maybe I've told you the story of my friend Chase. A couple years ago, Chase, in an unexpected way, but in everyday place, was just driving around in his truck and listening to the radio. And he happened to hear us talking on the radio, Radio Theology, the show that, that, that we host. And um, he started hearing things that he'd heard about God before, and it made him curious. And so 
Chase just kind of started to seek and get curious. And from that, he listened to more and more and more. And then he thought, you know what? I'm going to give church a try. And so he started first by watching church online. He watched online and he realized it looked like there may be some open seats there at Mercy Road. And he thought, maybe I could just sneak in the back and no one would notice. And sure enough, that's what Chase did. He started sneaking in the back. And he said, man, I guess I'll let anybody in this church because it let me in. And he sat back there and he learned. He got more and more curious. Then he began listening uh, to our podcast. And he heard the story actually about Eric Maitland, our worship leader, about how he came to Jesus in unexpected ways, but everyday places in a party frat at IU. That Jesus broke into Eric's life and radically transformed it. And Chase said, if Jesus can save that guy from a party frat in IU, I might have a chance. A couple weeks after that, Chase was baptized right over there. He got discipled, he went through Rooted, he went through our spiritual DNA course. And now Chase is dreaming, he's, he's, a, he's a rodeo guy. He like shoes horses, he's like a modern day cowboy, which is awesome, right? And he has this dream now about what, he, what could he do about maybe starting something to reach people in the rodeo world and let them know that Jesus loves them. And he's still there and he's still seeking, he's still making noise, he's still making people curious. And I love that part of Chase's story because he saw it and he found what he was looking for. He found compassion. He found love. He found guidance. He found forgiveness. He found strength. He found perseverance. He's found purpose for his life. And if you're here today because you just were going to check it off the list, I'm going to go ahead and just go to Christmas Eve again. I want you to know that Jesus is speaking to you right now. Are you listening? He's been at work in your life since the day you were born, trying to make you curious to begin to seek and to find him. And if you'll seek, you'll find. Last thought is this, is are you expectant? Kind of an interesting word. Because there's another person's story here in Luke chapter 2 that I think is really interesting um, because we actually get his name and he actually doesn't miss it at all. His name is Simeon. It goes like this. Luke 2 verse 25. In Jerusalem at the time there was a man, Simeon by name. A good man. A man who had lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. Meaning that he had been prayerfully expectant that the Messiah was going to come and bring comfort to the people of Israel. He lived his life with an expectation that God was alive and working and moving in and around his life. He had prayerful expectation that God would speak, that God would move in unexpected ways in very everyday places, and that guided every step of his life. And the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. And led by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And as the parents of the child, of the child Jesus brought him to carry out the rituals of the law, Simeon took him into his arms and blessed God. 
God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. A God revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory for your people Israel. Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise at these words. And Simeon went on to bless them and he said to Mary's mother, this child marks both the failure and the recovery of many in Israel. A figure misunderstood and contradicted. The pain of a sword thrust through you, but the rejection will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. I love this moment for Simeon. That he had lived his whole life in this expectant prayer that God was going to show up in amazing ways in his life. He was listening for how God would guide and direct him. He was curious about how God was moving in his life and God didn't let him down. And here's the good news today. It's Simeon, right? The idea that it says that the Holy Spirit was upon him, guiding and directing him. He was alive in a period that was so much different than what you're alive in right now where God's spirit wasn't actually available to every single person. That happened after Jesus did what he did on the cross. And as he came back from the grave, like I talked about, and went back to heaven and actually sent the Holy Spirit so everyone can actually be guided and directed and communicated through by God. But Simeon was in a special place in time where that wasn't actually available. But God was guiding and directing and speaking to him. And I just think about this for you. Some of you, you didn't come tonight just to get the hot chocolate. You didn't come tonight just to get the picture. You came tonight because you have been expectantly praying for God to move in your life for a long time. And I know a lot of times Christmas Eve, we, we, we talk more to folks that maybe haven't met Jesus yet. But I just want to take a minute and talk to you that have been following Jesus for a long time. And I want to be honest, right, that this following Jesus thing is not a magic trick and it's not an easy, just makes everything roses, is it? Life is still hard. In the process of actually receiving the healing and the strength that Jesus brings to us, sometimes it feels like death. But what I love about Simeon and what I want you to be encouraged about today is that Jesus is here and he's speaking to you and he's working in curious, unexpected ways in your life. And if you are in prayerful expectation that God is going to show up in your life, I just want you to see this moment for Simeon. That he'd waited his whole life for this moment. And can you imagine the joy and the gratitude and the overwhelming just overflow of emotion as he saw what he had waited for? That God had arrived in his life. And if you're barely holding on right now with prayerful expectation that God would break through in your marriage or God would break through in your parenting, or God would show up to bring healing from things that are tormenting you in your life, or to bring you freedom and victory from addiction or pattern, or he needs to show up and and be at work in your extended family, or maybe he needs to show up in a way in your career, and you've been showing up, and you came today to worship God and to say joy to the world and all this stuff, but you're barely holding on to some prayerful expectation that Jesus is gonna show up the way he said that he would. I want you to be encouraged today by the Christmas story that when you seek, when you listen, when you ask, Jesus is going to show up.
and he's going to strengthen, he's going to heal, and he's going to redeem, and he's going to love, and he's going to be everything that he's always said he would be and that he is. But there might be some of you. You say, you know what, Darren? I am that first category. I just came because I come every, every Christmas Eve. And, and, and the interesting thing about this last thing that Simeon said, I thought was really interesting. He said, but the rejection, I said the rejection of Jesus, it says it will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. So the question I have for you tonight is this. Will you make room for him? Because here's the deal. I think if you're like most people, Jesus has been making some noise in your life. And you've kind of tried to ignore it. Maybe it's through songs. Maybe it's through conversations with friends. Maybe it's through circumstances. I don't know, but... He's been making noise in your life. And if you're honest, you're just kind of trying to go back to sleep and ignore it. And there may be even some things that are happening in and around your life that have begun to make you curious about the presence and the love of God. And you've tried to kind of squish that and squelch that and say, I don't want to get involved in that Jesus stuff. It's weird and I don't know. And, and maybe that's what the innkeeper was saying. Maybe that's where the people that heard the noise Jesus was making were like, just go back to sleep. I don't know what's going on. It could have been what the shepherds thought. But here's, here's what I have to be honest about myself in. Is a lot of the times when I don't listen and I keep myself from being curious about what God is doing, it's actually revealing something about who I really am. And here's what I don't like that it reveals a lot for me, is that I don't actually want Jesus to be God because you know what? I want to be. And I don't necessarily want to be God in your life. I just want to be God in my life. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and I want it to be my way, and I want it to be on my timing, and I want to be really selfish, and I want it to be about me. How about you? And what I love about Jesus is that he is so kind and he is so gentle and he is so loving that if that's what I want and if that's what you want, he'll actually let you miss it if you choose it. See, what we don't have in the story is the, the time that Jesus came back after the innkeeper was, was, well, Jesus was grown. He said, oh, Mr. Innkeeper, remember me in the stable? I was right there and, and, and you could have heard. If you'd have gotten curious and you'd have listened, you could come back and ask Mary and Joseph why they're there. And they would have told you because I had come into the world to give my life to, for your sins. And so you can have eternal life, and, and, and I can guide and direct, but we don't have the story where Jesus goes back and begs him. He just allowed him to miss it. And the thing that has pricked my curiosity and my compassion all week is, 
How does that guy's story change had he made room for Jesus in his heart that night? That he had the opportunity to follow the life of Jesus, to to be taught at the feet of Jesus, to walk around, to possibly be one of his disciples, to see the miracles, to see him walk on water, to see him feed the 5,000, to maybe even be there the day he saw him give his life on the cross, to remove the barrier of sin between God and humanity. He could have maybe even have been there to see Jesus come back from the dead and been there for the 40 days Jesus was on earth and as he taught and as he showed the power that he had. He could have been there for all of that. And I just can't even think about the power and the joy and everything that would have come to sit. I was able to be a part of the life of Jesus. And here's the great news for you and for you. Here's the great news. That's actually still available to us. Like that's the good news. Here, here's, here's the cherry on top. When you die, you keep being in relationship with Jesus for eternity. That's the cherry on top. Here's the actual full cake. Here's the full meal. That right now you can begin to experience life in a loving and compassionate and grace-filled and purposeful relationship with the living God where he will speak to you and guide you and direct you and give you strength and actually bring healing and, and perseverance and purpose into your life right now. If you make room, if you listen, if you'll get curious, and then you come to a place where you say, you know what, Jesus, I've been trying to be God of my life for my entire life, and it's not working. So I'd actually like to to give you my life. Stay with me. We're gonna walk out of here in a couple seconds and um, <clears throat> you can get the hot cocoa and you can take a picture and the candles are gonna come around here in a minute. We're gonna do all the stuff that you came to, to, to do tonight. But if you're here tonight and what you needed to hear was that Jesus wasn't gonna let you down in your prayerful expectancy of the healing and the breakthrough that you needed as you've been following him, don't give up, press in. Listen, get curious. He's going to show up in your life. But if you're here tonight, you say, you know what, Darren? I, I, uh, I know God's been speaking. It's time for me to listen. It's time for me to get curious. It's time for me to make room. I'd like you to bow your heads and pray with me. God, we just pray for every person in this room right now. We thank you that you are here, that you are alive today. We thank you, Father, for all the truth that we've already shared today. I thank you for how you've been speaking and guiding, directing us every day in everyday type of ways. I thank you for the way that you move in in, in mystery and in wonder that actually brings curiosity to us. Father, that you invite us into this journey with you. And I thank you so much that you have paved the way for us to receive the free gift of forgiveness, of compassion, of companionship, of eternal life. So if you're here tonight and you would come thinking it was just a hot cocoa and a candle kind of night, but you want to say, you know, it's time for me to make room in my life for Jesus. With all the heads bowed and every eye closed, so it's just between you and me and God. If you're here tonight, you say, you know what, Darren, it's time. I've been waiting too long. I need forgiveness. I need compassion. I need love. I need Jesus. It's time for me to make room in my life. 
On the count of three, would you just raise your hand up so I can pray for you and include you in a last little prayer. One, two, three. Just put your hand up. Amen. Yeah. I see you in the center there. Go ahead. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you over here to the left. Anybody else tonight? I need to make room for Jesus. Amen. You can put your hands down. Father, we thank you so much for the folks that have raised their hand that said it's time to make room in my life for Jesus. I pray, God, that you would bring an overwhelming sense of love, forgiveness, and strength to them. I pray, God, that you would surround them with people that want to walk this journey with them to guide them and direct them what it means to be in a relationship with you. I pray, God, that you would tune their ears to hear, to respond, to listen to the way that you're guiding their life. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for Christmas. We love you, Jesus. You're the absolute best. In your name, amen.